through this whole process, we've really learned that children are way more resilient than what you might give them credit for. Really, as long as the four of us are together, wherever we are, if we're healthy, that's a great day. (laughs) Hey there, it's Aaron Schlein. And today we're chatting with the Sparrow family, who are also lovingly known as the Puddles and Passports family. They're a full-time traveling family who left their home in San Antonio, Texas, just eight months ago. And they are currently in Perth, Western Australia. Over the past eight months, they have visited 10 countries on four continents with their two young kids, Chloe, who's five, and Camden, who is two. And the Sparrows are documenting their travels on their blog, their social media, and on a YouTube channel. Sparrow family, Jay, Christy, how's it going? Fantastic. Nice to meet you. And thanks for having us on your show. Yeah. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah, we got a, we got a two for here. I love this. We got... We got Jay and Christy on separate mics, so we're going to get both per uh, husband and wife perspective on this. And we are talking, like I said in the bio, across a considerable number of miles here from California all the way down to to Perth, Western Australia. And guys, I know a little bit about your story, enough to know that you are stuck, for lack of a better word, where you are in Western Australia. So let's let's just dive right into that story. How how did you guys end up in Perth, and how long have you been there? Right. So we arrived in Australia at the end of January, which was part of our scheduled sort of rolling itinerary on this travel journey that we started last September of 2019. Um, and so we saw some sites on the coast and found ourselves down in Denmark for a woofing experience, which is a worldwide opportunities on organic farms. So we were in Denmark doing our woofing experience, working in an eco village. Jay was helping out with gardening and um, work on this farm where they had orchards and gardens. Uh, and it was a nice little community right a stone's throw from downtown with about 12 other households there. And we were there for, and originally it was planned for a 10 night stay, but that was March. Um, and that's when in the US and in Australia, especially and New Zealand, things started to escalate very quickly. And so towards the middle of March, we found ourselves, you know, unable to continue on with the travels that we had planned, which was New Zealand and back to the States and toying with questions that we didn't even think, you know, were fathomable just a a month before, which was like health and safety and supplies and air travel was contracting. And so we ultimately decided to remain in Australia and we called the Australian immigration office and worked through options um, to make sure that we could stay here which uh, has worked out so far. And we just decided to stay, which was tough because Jay's family's in the UK, my family's in the US. Um, and even though Australia is exceptionally comfortable and beautiful and wonderful, it's still a foreign country to us. And so we weren't sure whether we should stay thousands of miles away or fly home. So it was quite an emotional roller coaster. But since we decided to stay, I think it's worked out great so far. So here we are. Yeah, and we actually had um, flights booked home on two separate occasions during that process when we were like, we're going to go home tomorrow, today, we're going to drive back up to Perth, get the next flight out, we're going home. And then we'd wake up the next morning and we'd be like, ah, I'm not sure, you know, is it the right thing? Because something else would come out in the media and we'd speak to friends and family back in the US. And so then we'd cancel those flights and then we'd go through the process again. And ultimately, yeah, we ended up deciding to stay. And um, I can honestly say it's probably the best decision we've made for a long time. So. So far. So far. <laughs> Take a little bit more about what was going through your mind at that point, because I'm sure like a trip that you guys are on takes a considerable amount of planning. And I'm sure you had a lot of contingencies and possibilities in mind when you were setting out. Was a pandemic something that was on that list of contingencies you were planning for? 
Absolutely not. In fact, we had to call our travel insurance a couple of times throughout the month of March just to verify that as the rules of the world were changing, you know, does our insurance still what's covered, what's not? And, and so there were just so many intricate details of planning um, that we had to think about and monitor. And as a new headline would come out or a new travel advisory would be published, it would look, okay, how does that affect what we're doing? And ultimately, of course, it comes down to where's our family safest and then hopefully comfortable as well. And, and how can we make that happen with this changing landscape? Um, and just getting on a plane by the end of March for us with two young kids kind of seemed like our last choice because airports and airplanes and airlines were all kind of navigating through this new reality on an hour by hour basis. And we kind of didn't want to add to the chaos or put ourselves at risk or be part of the problem by, you know, helping to transmit this virus to other people who might be vulnerable. So we just decided to ground ourselves for a while and, and kind of just take it week by week instead of day by day, just, you know. I'll just add to that. What's been interesting is we'd obviously set out in September on this, you know, hopefully not once in a lifetime, but right now once in a lifetime trip around the world. And we're, you know, several months into it and all of a sudden it's kind of come to a screeching halt. And we were supposed to be, you know, planning to go to New Zealand. We were going to go to Hawaii. We'd had talks about going to Bali and, you know, maybe even to Fiji. And now it all kind of come to a start. And we were like, Oh, so maybe we're not going to do complete our full 12 month trip around the world or, you know, we're going to have to go home and, you know, our lives just kind of changed. I mean, obviously we're very fortunate to be in the position we are in. Uh, we could make those decisions to stay, you know, where we were. And uh, as Christy said, you know, the safety of our family was really our final, um, the, the decision that we ultimately made for the benefit of our family going forward. So. Well, let's let's go back a little bit to the origin story of of your family, and let's talk about how Jay, how you and Christy met, and let's talk about how travel played a part in your relationship before kids. Yeah, so travel has actually always been a very big part of our uh, relationship uh, before we got married, and um, when we got married. So I'm originally from England, and I moved over to the US uh, some twenty years ago now, and then Christy and I actually met. Uh, I'll tell you a quick funny story. It was. She was on a road trip um, down the East Coast. She's from Maryland. And she was on the road trip down the East Coast and across the South, making her way to California uh, to meet her girlfriend. Um, and then they stopped off in San Antonio. I think her friend wanted to go to Austin, but Christy pushed for San Antonio that night. And we met in a bar called Howl at the Moon. And the next day, we just uh, decided to keep in touch. And uh, several weeks later, when she got finally got back to um Maryland, I convinced her to fly down, probably against her family's better judgment. And uh, she came down for the weekend, and that was it. Six months later, we're engaged. The Howl at the Moon that I know of is a dueling piano bar. Is that the same one? That's That's exactly the one. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of of good times at those dueling piano bars. It sounds like (laughs) it was for you as well. It's worked out so far. (laughs) My official chat up line with probably a few too many beers of me was, uh, you're beautiful. And that was it. (laughs) So that works, huh? It, well, apparently, it, <laughs> it might have been the English accent. So I'm not sure. But <laughs> well, let's get Christy's version of that story since she's sitting right next to you. Is, did he? Was he? Uh, was he true to the to the events as they happened, Christy? 
Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. Yeah, um, he was quite charming, and yeah, we just hit it off and clicked right away. So it was quite a whirlwind because that was that was I was beginning my last year of college at the University of Maryland, and so we were kind of doing a long distance relationship. And then when I graduated, I packed up my rodeo and we moved down, we moved me down to Texas, and so planned the wedding. <laughs> it was quite a whirlwind. Yeah. Well, even before we spent a bit of time doing long distance, I had to go back to England for a few months and. Uh, Christy would come over for, you know, probably every three or four weeks she flew over for a period of time. It's kind of crazy. Um, so we got to see, you know, quite a bit of England. We'd go up to like the Lake District and went down to Cornwall, um, to beautiful parts of the country. Um, so I guess our love for traveling together kind of, you know, started early. And then when we finally did move down to Texas and we got married, um, you know, we went to China and went to New Zealand, went to, you know, um, several places, um, Belgium, Germany. Uh, we kind of had this thing that we really enjoyed doing that each, every other Christmas, one Christmas we would go back to England and then the next Christmas we'd be in DC. But the Christmases we were in England, we would take it in turns, uh, picking which, you know, after we'd gone and seen my family, we'd go and spend a week or two in another European country um, before we flew back to Texas. So one year we went to Germany and Christy wanted to do the uh, Christmas markets. Um, and then another year, as an example, we flew into Belgium. You know, I wanted to go and uh, do some brewery tours. Um, so I was kind of really enjoyed just traveling together. So when we all had children, you know, that wasn't something that we wanted to, you know, stop. If anything, we wanted to have that with our children. And it was obviously it's been very different. Um, it's a different experience completely traveling with children. Uh, things slow down considerably. Um, but yeah, travel has always been so important to us. And it's, you know, probably uh, helped us with a strong marriage. Um, we've had lots of memories, um, lots of amazing experiences. So. Yeah, a whole lifetime's worth of, worth of family travel memories in just this really short time. A lot of folks will say, yeah, I want to travel with my kids, and a lot do, but that is entirely different from what you guys have taken on. Can you go back? Was there a time where you can remember like just sparking that idea, say, you know what? When we have kids and they're about five and two, we're going to drop everything and travel around the world. That's what we're going to do. Like, what's the origin story of this trip? If I remember rightly, we were actually on a road trip around the New Hampshire area and we were kind of sitting in a bar and uh, we're just, you know, chit chatting. This is before we had children. And I kind of dropped this idea of how cool would it be if we could just, you know, sell our business and go on traveling around the world and, um, and just, you know, live this life traveling. Um, and maybe one day figure out a way to get, you know, paid to travel. I mean, that's the ultimate dream, isn't it? Um, and then, you know, we went back to San Antonio and, you know, a month passed by, two months passed by, a year, two years, three years. And we talked about it a lot. Um, and then it was like, well, we're going to have children. And so we, then we had Chloe and, um, and we were like, if we don't do this now, you know, we're never going to do this. Um, so we kind of made a commitment to doing it. And, this was about 18 months before we actually officially got on that plane and left. Um, and we kind of put in place a, you know, a pretty detailed plan um, to set off around the world and take our children. And, and here we are you know, living it. So it's been a, it was a lot of plan. There was a lot of, a um, lot that goes into it. And, you know, Christy can certainly talk more to that. She did, <laughs> I won't say she did most of it, but she did the lion's share of it. So. <laughs> Tell me about that lion's share, Christy. Oh, the plan. Well, I think a lot of it happens before you leave, but mentally in terms of expectations for the trip. 
because as we know, traveling with children is wonderful and amazing while it also slows things down. And so talking through expectations, um, schedule, you know, who's going to work when, um, how to maintain some sort of a routine for the kiddos. Um, so I would say that mentally preparing to be gone from the community and the comforts of home for a long time uh, was important for us. But other than that, I mean, before we left, logistically speaking, we had the first three or four months of things booked before we left. But then as we kind of burned through that, we started to plan on a rolling basis, which is a whole nother animal. <laughs> um, and maybe she'd stay on top of um, transportation and accommodations and things ahead of, you know, kind of having to book last minute so that you can have negotiating power and have options. So that's kind of been um, a continual learning process and also just reminder to stay on top of it, but fun all the way. I mean, you know, comparing prices and types of accommodation and ways to get places. I mean, it's a fun kind of puzzle to piece together. So um, definitely. Tell me a little bit about how you involved the children. I'd say your two-year-old, probably a little young to get involved, too involved in the planning, but your daughter, Chloe, at five, is a at least a reasonable understanding of what she's about to embark on. How did, how was she involved in the process? How'd you explain it all to her? Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about um, how she would hear people speak different languages and see them eat different foods and meet new friendly people everywhere we went. And when we would go to a country, uh, cause I think, so we did since September, we went to England and Wales once for about a week. And then it wasn't until January when we came to Australia that we've been in English speaking countries. So in all the other countries, we as a family looked up on YouTube how to say hello, goodbye, thank you, maybe even how are you, if we were there long enough to learn four or five phrases so that we could greet people on the street and she could be a part of that. Um, and really just getting out and exploring. And then I've tried somewhat to do a kind of a journal with her. I think she's kind of at the age where it, some days it works out and some days it doesn't, where I just ask her, what was your favorite thing you did today? And we just write it yeah. down and that's it. Um, so that's been fun. And then Jay has the inflatable um, globe beach ball. So we take it with us because it weighs nothing and we'll blow it up and take a Sharpie and uh, circle where we've been and Jay's drawing lines between all the countries. So that's kind of a fun visual for her. Yeah. yeah, so I think ultimately our goal is to go around the complete globe. That was always what we said, you know, as a family, we wanted to start in San Antonio and make our way around until we get back to San Antonio. So taking that inflatable globe and literally taking a Sharpie and like, right, we flew from San Antonio to DC and then we flew over the ocean to Italy and then we went to Germany and kind of drawing it out with Chloe and she'd be involved in that process. And before we left, um, we had a big pinboard up in the living room with a map of the world. And we would go in and we'd put pins on the different countries that we wanted to go to as we were trying to map it out. Um, and then we also bought a, a world puzzle. Um, I think we got it for uh, Chloe for Christmas uh, before we left. And so we would, you know, we'd make that puzzle and we had it laid out for several weeks. So we would go and point out on the map the different places that we were going to go. So, and so she got really good excited. And then, you know, we wanted to put a name to it, what we would do. So we became the Puddles and Passports family. And, Christy kind of came up with that out on a run. Well, and also part of the planning too was kind of closing down our house and selling a bunch of our stuff and putting it in. We use like one of the bedrooms in our house for storage or two bedrooms for storage. And our house is being rented out now by a friend who's also looking after our dogs. But, you know, to kind of parse our things down from a house full of stuff to like just two rooms. And we involved her in that process and 
was emotional for me. Jay's better at purging, <laughs> but she got involved on the, the garage sales that we had. And, you know, she just, we just take her along and explain to her what we're doing and answer her questions. It's been fun. Yeah. And she was super cute because we would go through, we had to, at once we got to her room um, and we had to pair everything down. Like, like, oh, can this go to somebody else? Can another child, you know, enjoy playing with this toy? And can we take this? So we would actually do donation drives, and we would go down to the children's shelter, and we'll take some of her stuff, and she would actually go in and you know donate it. So we tried to involve her really in the process of it's not just you know oh we're going on this trip around the world. There's a process and the steps that we have to take to do this, um, and through that, you know, we pretty much either sold or gave away you know 50 to 60 percent of everything we own we sold a car um and you know and, and it, pretty much most of the trips i would make to donation places or we had a big garage sale and chloe would set up like um a little lemonade stand and cookies and so she was like trying to raise some money so for her travel you know expenses <laughs> yeah, it was we tried we certainly involved her as much as like you say camden he was just you know watching what was going on so there, there are a lot of reasons that I, that I envy you guys. And one of them is that you were able to purge all that stuff before COVID hit because we're in this time now we're home. We got nothing but time. We're purging through all our kids' room. It's a great time to get rid of stuff, but nobody will take it. We can't take it anywhere. There's nowhere to put it except in the garbage. So yeah, that big purge with kids, I think it's so therapeutic, cathartic, however you want to describe it, but to have your child see their belongings leaving their room and leaving your home to go to someone else. There's, there's a learning in there that may not even be fully tapped into until years down the road. But I want to talk a little bit about something you had mentioned before our interview, and that was about resilience, that the resilience that travel, I think travel of any kind builds a certain level of resilience, but you guys are of course taking this to a whole other level. So can you describe an example, maybe a story where that resilience was really apparent? Well, for me as a mom, I would say, you know, whenever one of your children is sick, that always like tugs at you in special ways that like you didn't know was possible before you had kids. Um, and to have a child be sick when you're traveling in an unfamiliar country where you don't speak the language um, and trying to navigate foreign systems, that that's pretty rattling. So for me, you know, that just helped me focus again on what's important. And then after Chloe had the flu in, in January, as I'm talking about, and we were in Thailand and it resulted in a hospital trip with her and a super high, scary fever. Um, the hospital was great. The nurses were wonderful. The doctor was friendly. And so she ultimately, you know, recovered and is fine, but still going through something like that helps you, helps ground you again with what's important and what, um, more trivial things might not matter. And really, as long as the four of us are together, wherever we are, if we're healthy, that's a great day, <laughs> you know? So I think that, that comes to mind first for me as a mom. Yeah, and I think just uh, children in general, um, I think through this whole process, we've really learned that children are way more resilient than what you, know, you might give them uh, credit for. And w we've kind of spoke to people and friends in the past that have like, not necessarily used the term, you guys are crazy for doing this, but you know, that's kind of what they're getting at. Um, and we've spoken, in fact, not long ago, I was speaking to somebody who was saying that they just couldn't imagine, you know, taking their children around the world. It would just be, you know, mayhem. And I was like, it's it's not as hard as what you actually think it would be. The kids are you know, quite understanding. And, you know, yes, they get tired. Yes, they, you know, have their tantrums and, you know, they have their good days and the bad days. But they do at home. You know, you deal with different things at home. It's just different. 
you know, the, but there's, they're seeing new things every single day and they're, they're smelling new smells every day. And, you know, we're surrounding them just by, you know, different nature and different beautiful things in this world and seeing things, you know, rather than seeing it through books um, or on the TV, they're actually there, they're touching, they're feeling, they're smelling them. You know, you can't take those experiences away from them. Um, so, yeah, a long flight um, over the ocean and, you know, the next 24 hours is pretty tough for the family, but it's not as bad as what you, you know, what people think it might be. Well, and like you talk about, about jet lag, you know, when you have 12 months to recover, it makes it all kind of worth it. I saw my first trip I took overseas with my kids. We were, we went to the UK actually, and it was for a week so that, you know, you lose two days to jet lag and then the trip's already half over. But when you got 12 months, yeah, you go over there. It's just, I just love that what you were able to, to, to commit to. That's pretty special. Christy, you look like you're about to say something. Sorry for cutting you off there. No, no, it's fine. I was just, I had a thought about resiliency too when I was listening to Jay and that's that, you know, obviously in this time that we're living in right now where resiliency is like, I mean, everyone's kind of being pushed to their own limits and that's different for every family and they define it different ways living through this pandemic. And, you know, we've been exceptionally fortunate so far to not have been affected personally by the virus. There are families who are suffering and losing, you know, untold amounts right now. Um, But Someone had asked me, maybe it was our neighbor had asked me like, well, what's a perfect day for you guys on this travel and everything? And what's really struck me and Jay about this is that, you know, we can, a perfect day for us includes elements, not necessarily specifics. So it's like, you know, sleep, health, nutrition, but then spending quality time with each other, getting outside in nature, and then doing something that's just engaging. Like it could be a craft project or just reading a book with the kids or playing in a tent that we have set up in our living room. And those things can happen at home and here. They can happen anywhere we've been on our travels. They happen pre-COVID-19. They're happening post-COVID-19. So, you know, in terms of resiliency and and like boiling life down to what's really important. um, Yeah, I feel like we have elements in our days that we're fortunate to still enjoy. And here we are. Well, let's shift the conversation a little bit. You talked, you've mentioned it a couple of times, like, you know, what the goal is, what the big dream is. And it's involved and it seems to involve your, the media that you're producing throughout this trip between your puddles and passports blog and your YouTube channel and your various social media channels. So talk to me a little bit about number one, did you have any background in this sort of work prior to this trip? And then let's talk about what you guys are actually doing and what your goal is for your various media projects. So background, uh, simple answer, zero. Um, I had absolutely no experience developing websites or you know even social media. Um, and quite frankly, I'm learning as I go along. I mean, I've personally built our uh, website, um, and I've you know I've enlisted the, the support and some help of some people who've kind of helped guide me and you know give me pointers. Um, and then the YouTube, um, we've only just started that you know several weeks ago and. Chris is actually doing uh, photo books from each of the different countries that we're doing for a company, I forget what they called, Journey Book or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've documented it through the books. Um, but then we want to start doing the videos from all the different places we've been to. So now I'm figuring out how to you know, create movies um, from the different places. So we've been to in 10 different countries, 16 major cities, and I'm trying to do a video for each of the different places we've done and trying to make them formative so people are interested in uh, learning about going to a different place uh, around the world. They can you know, go on there and see where we've been and uh, 
know, there's a little bit of tidbits about what to do, where to go, that kind of stuff. And on the top of that, we've just got some family stuff, what we're doing as a family. Um, like two weeks ago, we took on the uh, you know the toilet paper juggling contest. Love that. In my former life, I ran a, a youth soccer coaching company, um, Worldwide Soccer, um, out of San Antonio. So my entire life was just, you know, I was a soccer coach and ran a soccer coaching business. Um, so I never had any technical experience. And I'm, I can tell you now, if any of my friends are listening to this, they'll be laughing because they know that I'm not very, you know, technically um, enabled, shall we say. Um, so I get a lot of compliments now because they're like, wow, you've actually built this website. And people don't believe me that I did it. Um, <laughs> and now I'm doing these videos and people still don't believe I'm doing them. So. <laughs> So I'm figuring it out as I go along. So, and then Christy does all the editing, all the writing. So she's um, 90% of the content that's on the website. Um, Christy's producing and then I'm doing the back end stuff and the uh, technical stuff. So. Well, that, that's pretty special. And I'm curious about that, that relationship because I, I imagine that any couple who might try to emulate what you're doing some years in the future after you're, you're off into the stratosphere successful family travel bloggers doing what you want, writing your own tickets, first class, everything. But you know, curious about what that a husband and wife team who maybe had never really worked together professionally, all of a sudden you're this, not only a parenting team, but you're a professional team. How, how was that evolution? How did that affect your relationship? Well, I'll start by just making sure it's clear. When we run the youth soccer club, uh, Christy worked for a company called Deloitte. Um, but in the evening, she would actually do the books and the finances. So we did have some experience kind of working together and we would, you know, discuss ideas because the finances. And it, it, it was our business. Um, so we kind of did, you know, discuss ideas. And, but 90% of the day-to-day operations was myself and my, you know, my team of soccer coaches and employees. Um, but then fast forward to what we're doing now. Um, I would say it's been uh, the first four or five months were quite challenging because we were go, 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 go. And honestly, we didn't really set out to have puddles and passports as a, as a business per se. We were kind of documenting it for our family. And, and then people were just like asking questions like, you know, how do you survive a, a flight over the ocean with toddlers? And just various different questions. I'm like, well, okay, we'll start answering these questions. So we started writing about it. So the website evolved from just being kind of like a journal entries, if you like, to actually helpful information for families that are looking to potentially travel. But then fast forward to January, we kind of decided we wanted to slow down because we were, our original goal was to spend four to six months in each, four, sorry, four to six weeks in each uh, place, uh, country. Um, but that never really happened for various reasons. We ended up doing two weeks here, a month here, a week here. Um, so come what January, we're like, we need to slow down. And it's probably the best decision we've made for a while because it has allowed us a little bit more schedule where, as an example, on Tuesday, it might be Christie's work day. And on Thursday, it's my work day. So I'll take the kids and vice versa, Christie will take the kids. So we try and give each at least one full work day each week. And then... Camden still naps in the afternoon, so you know we get some time in the afternoon to do stuff. Um, and we try and make sure we have two or three, you know, just family days where we go out and explore um, and go and see you know, where we are. This past month, obviously, we've been pretty much homebound, so it's allowed us to get on top of a lot of things. And now um, regional borders are starting to relax. We're really excited to go out and you know start exploring Western Australia soon. 
Well, even, even under the best of circumstances, I'd imagine there's a, there's a homesickness factor for, for mm-hmm. you guys and definitely for the kids. Talk to me a little bit about that, how the each of you are dealing with homesickness. Yeah, well, so I think we underestimated the value of like creating a community that would kind of travel with us or that would be available to us as we were moving throughout the world. Cause we were moving quicker than what we had thought a few weeks here, a week there, a month there, you know, of course we have our friends back home and we FaceTime with family and things, which certainly helps a great, yeah, but deal. they all think you're crazy. So yeah, like, okay. what, what help are they? Yeah. Those are short conversations. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when we're able to be somewhere with enough time to kind of meet the neighbors, like I said, learn a few phrases in the language and, kind of form a community and, and the digital community, of course, is who can travel with you and where we find sort of like-minded people to talk about stresses or successes. And in January, when we were in Thailand, Jay went to the uh, Nomad Summit, mm-hmm. which is like a big conference for digital nomads and he got to meet, make a lot of connections. And we met one or two other traveling families. Uh, and that was really helpful because some of those relationships have lasted. And so I would say homesickness is real for sure. There's no denying it. And less so for kids, the younger they are. Um, but we do have a home video tour of our house in San Antonio, Texas. And so every once in a while, we'll show it to Chloe and Camden just so that they can kind of remember what their room looks like, what our kitchen looks like. You know, it's fun for us just to see it and walk through, or, you know, our house virtually. Um, but yeah, so staying in touch with friends and family and then figuring out how to create a community, whether it's virtual or in person, uh, while you're traveling because... You know, it is just Jay and I in terms of childcare and work and everything we have. So it, it's a it's a great um, experience, and just the balance, um, you know, is always a work in progress. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's timestamp this conversation just for for clarity. This is uh, May the twentieth, twenty twenty, and I'm curious. You set off on this twelve month journey that got just horrifically interrupted. What is your plan going forward to? to to complete the journey or to go home and then resume? What's, what's the plan? Um, so actually just this week, we actually had our medicals for um, some new visa visitors, um, visit, sorry, some visitor visas for Australia. So we're applied to stay here. Um, so we're hoping to stay in Australia for at least the next two or three months. Um, uh, international borders obviously aren't open right now. And even within Australia, state borders are still closed. Um, but regional borders uh, are starting to open up a little bit. So we're going to hopefully go and explore more of Western Australia and you know head down south for a few weeks and then maybe head up north. Um, but then after that, you know, we'll probably make our way to, you know, slowly start making our way back to the US um, and probably stop off in New Zealand um, if, if we're allowed to. Um, and then we probably will come back through Hawaii and we'll try and resume our trip as best we can and hopefully get back to the Texas area probably around Christmas so we can be in our home for, you know, for Christmas. Um, and then after that, we don't know. I don't necessarily think we're, you know, the type of people that want to be full-time travel families forever. We miss uh, traditions, you know, we miss uh, waking up in our own homes. Uh, we miss, you know, we're excited to settle down again in the future and, you know, have the kids wake up in their own beds for their birthdays and for Christmas and Thanksgivings and, you know, all the special occasions. And, all, and, that, and like this is the community. Um, not having a community whilst we've been traveling has been quite a challenge. And when it comes to homesickness, probably this past month, that's probably hit home a little bit harder um, because, 
everything that's going on in the world, you know, we've had more time to reflect, more time to think about our families. And, um, but yeah, we're just enjoying it as long as we can right now. Um, but I would say within the next 12 months, we'll probably be settled. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe two years from now, we'll be talking to you again and we'll be traveling South America. So. Well, you may have to consult with Chloe on that because you're giving her quite a travel bug. You guys might be on the road more often than you than you might even plan because this is becoming her new normal. Well, it's funny you say that. Um, and I actually heard one of your recent listeners um, has said something similar. One of our goals is once we do get settled... Obviously, in America, the kids get two or three months off for summer holidays. So we're hoping it will become a tradition where each summer we go to a different continent and spend you know, uh, two months. And then as the kids are getting older and they can make decisions, we want to involve them in the decision making. So one year, Chloe gets to decide what country we're going to go and spend a couple of months. And then the next year, it's Camden's turn and he gets to decide. And you know, we'll alternate it between them. Um, I think Krista's biggest fear is though uh, we're installing this for traveling them and by the time they get to 18 and they might be up and traveling around the world themselves we might not see them as much so yeah I'll miss them dearly but if we give them wings and confidence and they want to travel the world then that's just incredible <laughs> I'd say the likelihood of that is high and you guys are setting a heck of a bar pretty, pretty high at five and two. So it's going to be an interesting journey for the two of them. And you guys, you guys just might be along for the ride at some point. I, I hope so. Maybe they can pay for us to travel. <laughs> well, that's super exciting guys. I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you reaching out. I'm sure we could go on, go on for days and days, but uh, my folks out there in podcast land, listening to family travel radio, I'd love for you to check out puddles and passports. We've got Jay and Christy, and I'm going to have the links to all their socials, their Instagram, the Facebook and the YouTube channel. And of course the blog at puddles and passports.com. We'll have that all linked up in the show notes at familytravel.org slash radio. Jay and Christy, Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. And we hope to, to check back in with you soon. And all the best to you, my friends. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on your show. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the discussion and best of luck to your family as well. And happy traveling, everyone. You know that there's more to life than your work. But do your kids know? Last year, 55% of American parents didn't use all their vacation days. Taking time off to travel lets you show your kids different sides of the world and different sides of yourself like the side that does things like this. Family travel is easier and more affordable than you might think. You brought them into this world, now show it to them. Discover the possibilities at familytravel.org.